0: episode 53 of the Swamp Flicks podcast. My name is Brandon Lede.
1: And I'm Brittany Lombas.
0: We are recording in Brittany's apartment in Pigeon Town, New Orleans, and this is the podcast version of the movie review website Swamp Flix. Brittany? Yes. What have you been watching lately?
1: Um, haven't been watching too many movies. I've been catching up on like all these cool series that are like the second season's out, like Love, I think. Mm-hmm. Third season, finish that. And I started the Santa Clarita Diet.
0: I heard that got better in the second season.
1: It was really good in the first season. Oh, really? I thought it was really... F- I love Drew Barrymore. So I heard, like, the gore so and the funny. ridiculousness, like, It's very uh, funny. Bigger, yeah. yeah, it's nice. But, um, I did get to watch Game Over, Man, which is the Netflix original movie made by the Workaholics crew. It's, like, basically Workaholics, but not Workaholics. It's... Very funny. I laughed a bunch. I've heard nothing but bad things about that movie. I know everyone's <laughs> been shitting so hard on it, and I get it. Like it's so it's fucking stupid. There's just a lot of like you know heads exploding, freaking dicks galore, mm-hmm. wieners getting chopped off. It's very um, like teenage boy humor, but that's my humor,
0: <laughs> so it works. Would be like secret agents or something. They're
1: um they're all. Adam, Blake, and Anders, they're all housekeepers at this super fancy hotel, and their boss is Daniel Stern. Okay. And he makes a lot of like gestures, like I don't know if it was done purposely, but like like Marv did on Home Alone. Like he makes a lot of like faces and noises based on like his Home Alone character. <laughs> <laughs> and they even make a couple of like Home Alone references very bizarre but um so they're all working at this hotel and they are smoking like salvia I don't know what it is I don't know that much it's about like, like a,
0: drug stuff like that it's like a quick hit psychedelia thing so like for like 15 minutes you trip out really hard okay
1: well that's what they're well that's what Durs does and they're like go into this like they're cleaning out a hotel room and there's like used condoms everywhere and they're like Durs is all on Salvia and they're putting like this used condom full of jizz on his face and trying to... <laughs> like stupid shit like that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny. Their dream, they're not just like, we're, we we want to be the ha- best, you know, housekeepers in the world. They, um, developed this thing called Skintendo and it's a bodysuit that you can wear and somebody can control you. That's like their main thing and... Like, early in the beginning of the movie, there's this big event that gets held at the hotel where the Bay of Tunisia um, is coming and throwing this big party. And he's just this kind of, like, international playboy. He kind of reminds me, like, his the way he talks and, like, his humor and his comments are a lot like Aziz Ansari. Mm -hmm. So, like, if Aziz Ansari was, like, blinged out, that's the Bay. Okay. So they so pitch. So kind of like Tom Haverford. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I'm thinking of that Parks and Rec character. Totally. Right. So Tom Haverford, Entertainment 720, like on a throne. Uh-huh. This is this guy. Okay. <laughs> so they pitch the their Skintendo idea to the Bay and they get fired from their boss for doing that. So then they're like, oh, fuck. And then, you know, they're leaving the hotel and then they witness, um, they don't witness it, but their boss gets his dick cut off. <laughs> um, stern. <dang certain. laughs> they kind of witness, like, the end of the dick cut. And then the people realize, like, the criminals are like, holy shit, like, they just saw that. So then they're on, like, a goose chase for these guys. But basically, during this Bay party, his security team is actually kind of working against him. They hold everyone in the hotel hostage, and they are doing all this so they can get, like, all of the, the bays like, um, account passwords and stuff like that. It turns into, like, a diehard farce. <laughs> but there's a lot of, like, steve in it. His head explodes. Yeah stupid shit like that but I don't know it's it's so gross and it's very violent and usually I don't like like super violent stuff but I think like a lot of the humor comes from the three of them like their facial expressions their Mm. mannerisms their like little comments and stuff like that that make them funny and workaholics get transferred into this movie so I thought that was funny but I can I can see how this is highly hated (laughs) by a lot of people
0: I think the main complaint was that there's a lot of like gay panic style humor where it's like, oh, dicks, no,
1: I can't be involved with dicks. (laughs) I don't know. I kind of like that though because I feel like a lot of movies, there's not enough dick jokes in the world. I I I agree. You know, like, and they, and Adam uh, Devine shows his dick, like, Mm -hmm. and that's not in a lot of movies, especially, like, with our younger generation. Like, that's, like, the one private part that is, like, oh, that's going to make it, like, rated X that there's, like, a dick hanging around here. So I thought it was kind of cool. There is a part where, like, Blake kind of comes out. That's kind
0: of sweet. Depending on how they play it, I guess. It was
1: very, it was, like, an action hero coming out. Like, he he wears a bun, and then he's, like, you know, no, I don't want to shoot guns. And then he's, like, you know, I'm gay, and he takes his bun out of his hair. And then um, he, like, goes in there and starts to fucking kick him ass. And then they call him, like, the F-word. And he's like, you did not just call me the F-word. Oh, wow. And then he goes nuts on this woman. And I think that was, like, the funniest part for me was during his, like, coming out and beating the fuck out of (laughs) this lady. (laughs) He says... Oh, I just slapped the shit out of her, <laughs> and I don't know why, but I just like spit like my like coke everywhere all over my bed. It was so funny.
0: It reminds me of our endorsement of Dirty Grandpa, probably.
1: <laughs> yes, like not it's, everyone's cup of tea. No, but. it has like I think this movie has like a ten percent on like Rotten Tomatoes right uh-huh. now, which is like says a lot. Yeah, um, but it's I think it's funny. I thought I laughed a lot.
0: I'm more interested now than I ever have been. So Okay, well, I'll good. Check it yeah, check it out. It's so fucking stupid. <laughs> I mean, I'll give it a shot. Yeah. It's on Netflix. It's hard not to, like, yeah, no, give it a shot. Yeah, it's free. Yeah,
1: everything I fucking talk about on here is on Netflix. Because <laughs> I'm so fucking cheap. Yeah. <laughs> but that's pretty much it. Um, as far as movies go, I, I can think of, like, recent What about The Strangers? Movies. Oh, The Strangers, Pray at Night. That's probably the last movie I saw in theaters. I was on a kick of, like, seeing movies in theaters. And then, like, life just fucking drug me down and yeah sucks but strangers pray at night super super good um i went to the theater and of course like it's the typical friday night at the elmwood cinema horror movie crowd first
0: weekend horror movie audiences are terrible oh my
1: god (laughs) it's like the whole row of like high school idiots who are just like, oh, wait, you can get so scared, you get so scared, you're gonna have to leave. And they're like saying shit like that before. And I'm just like, please, God, when they play that little like silence is golden fucking thing, let them pay attention to it. yeah, Because I will be that person in the cinema. I won't do anything weird, but I will like speak <laughs> up. <laughs> I will get security and be like, I'm sorry. I did not pay for this, even though it's a movie pass. But I want to <laughs> speak for the people who did. <laughs> so, it's so, you know, those people and then it's like the lovey-dovey like. I don't know, like Harahan couples.
0: <laughs> it's, it's cool. Neck tats.
1: Yeah, neck tats and, you know, skinny jeans and big, you know, blonde highlights yeah. and things like that. So, and then there's me in the corner in my pajamas, like <laughs> <laughs> eating some sweet tarts ropes. <laughs> it was great. So it starts off, and I'm just like, oh God, it's like a home invasion setup. How different can that be? And, I don't know, it wasn't very different than your average, like, home invasion, like, slasher movie. But, like, the one twist that I did like was these weird, like, stabbing scenes, like, that were super, super, super violent that went on for, like, way longer than they should have. Just so they can, like, outlast an entire song. (laughs)
0: Yeah, the uh, the swimming pool scene yes. is set to a uh, total eclipse of the heart, and right. lasts like almost the entirety the, of the entire track. song. Yeah, yeah,
1: and then the whole like making love out of nothing at all, like the whole song plays. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was interesting. Like I can't think of a lot of horror movies where they do that multiple times. It's
0: only really a home invasion for like the first maybe half hour or forty true. minutes. They're like, it's
1: more like a campground invasion. Yeah, it
0: it turns into like. Almost like a John Carpenter, like, 80s movie. True. A lot of neon lights and 80s pop songs. And And uh, trailers. Yeah.
1: Right, I like that. Like I always love trailers because of the floor vents, mm-hmm. but like the fact that there's like the walls were so thin, like if somebody were to like fucking put a knife, that thing, it would probably like get you while you're sitting on the couch.
0: It's apparently very easy to drive a car through one. Oh my God. <laughs> I did
1: not know that. But I mean, this truck goes, this old ass <laughs> truck, like just plows through like multiple <laughs> mobile homes. But I really, I really liked it. It was fun. The music was fantastic. It's, super confusing but in a way to where it's like I don't care if I don't figure out like what's the point of these like people doing what they're doing the furthest we get to like you know kind of getting a resolution it's like why are they killing one of the girls or the, the baby doll face was sort of just like why not yeah that was like the one answer and it's like okay they're just a bunch of like psychos that are on a killing spree. The Um, the reason
0: I asked is because when it came out, I saw your review and I saw a couple other people saying it was fun, and I decided to go back and watch the original one from 2008.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh,
0: Because... Pray at Night's a sequel to this Home Invasion thriller starring like Liv Tyler. Yes! And Scott Speedsman, whoever the hell that is.
1: <laughs> Haven't heard from him again, Yeah, so.
0: he's <laughs> like a bargain bin uh, Jason Marsden kind oh, of. Oh, gotcha. Uh, and I usually don't watch Home Invasion stuff at all. It's usually like this threat of rape is right. most of the horror is like, oh, these people... It's usually like guys... Invading a house where a woman's home alone, and it's like they're there for money, but there's also right. like a sexual threat in there as well. Totally, and I'm not a fan of that kind of horror movie, but the original Strangers is so good. I did not expect to enjoy it nearly as much as I did.
1: I would like to rewatch it because I haven't like watched it since it, like it came out in theaters.
0: It's ridiculously simple. Like it starts mm-hmm. with Liv Tyler and Scott Speedman having like an argument after a friend's wedding, so it's like late in the night, and they're right. drunk.
1: Feathers are ruffled. Yeah, mm-hmm. their
0: makeup's a little smeared. Um, yes. So they're arguing, <laughs> and then I think at one point he leaves to go get her more cigarettes. It's one of those conversations that they should let loose and go to bed, but instead they just let it drag Such on. Such a and on classic,
1: and on. like, ending 10 argument. Right. Let me just go get you some cig. It's more like be we'll better. continue
0: this in 20 minutes. Right. I come back with cigarettes. <laughs> And then in that disruption, these masked killers appear and it's the same ones in the sequel as well. And
1: their masks are so fucking creepy.
0: Yeah. They're kind of like old timey and they're smiley.
1: Yeah. And then there's like this, the burlap sack, like daddy character, whoever he is. It might even be a woman who the fuck knows, but there's just this like guy in a suit with, like, this burlap sack that's kind of, like, got this weird stain on it that kind of looks like a smile. Yeah. Ugh, it just looks so dirty.
0: And that's what's probably helpful with the sexual threat part is that there's two women and one guy doing the killings. And they are
1: not interested in that at all. No. Yeah.
0: And the really creepy part, and they actually use this as a tagline, is they're not really interested in anything. Like, when Liv Tyler asks, like, why are you doing this to us? Uh, The response in the first one is, um, because you were home. which is. (laughs) Kind of, like, the same as, like, why not? It's, like...
1: Which is the most terrifying answer. Right. Or at least it could be, like, you know, someone who had, like, a horrible experience with someone that looked just like her and was, like, you look like my ex-wife and I'm gonna kill you. (laughs) Okay, like, at least that gives me a clue. Yeah. (laughs) This, they're just, ah! The fact that it's a very, like, a by-chance killing, like, you were just at the wrong place at the wrong time and you did nothing wrong, that is, like, terrifying. Because then it makes you feel like, shit, that could be me. Which I think that's why I like living in a very small place. Like, I don't think anybody would ever invade my home. <laughs> I don't think they'd bother. Yeah, you're not
0: like a mansion on the hill or something. Like, exactly. Yeah, yeah.
1: Where they can, like, you know, squat in, like, one, like, side of the building or in the walls for, like, you know, a couple of months or some shit like that and just, like, watch my moves.
0: And that's one of the best parts of that movie, too, is you don't even really hear them break in, but they just start emerging from Ugh. the shadows. Like... And it's not a huge house, but it's got two stories and there's enough, like, extra rooms for them to kind of be creeping out of. It's kind of like a cat and mouse game where they're, like, they don't immediately go in for stabbing. They just kind of, like, bat them around like a half-dead mouse for two hours. And then once they're bored with that and the sun starts rising, then they just kill them to, like, sort of put an end to it. Really creepy stuff. And it it reminded me a lot of, like, Texas Chainsaw Massacre-style, like, maniac movies.
1: I think even, and in the... The Prey at Night Strangers movie. At the very end, the, there's the final girl in the back of the pickup truck escaping. She's laughing, yeah. Which is a lot like Texas Chainsaw.
0: The first one has more of like a grimy, like 70s, late 70s vibe. Yeah. Where the the second one feels like the early 80s. And they both have that, like, warning, like, based on true events, which is total bullshit. No, but... <laughs> it's, like,
1: loosely, like, I looked at that. And I'm like, oh, my God, when did this shit happen? And it's, like, it's loosely based on, like, the Charles Manson home invasions. And I'm like, oh, Jesus Not Christ. Not really, yeah. Like, it's just, they basically took all these, like, true crime stories and picked the fun parts from them and just created <laughs> something different. And they put that so they can, like, scare the shit out of us and get us interested it works.
0: But yeah, but like Texas Chainsaw opens <laughs> with that for same warning too, where it's like, this no. actually happened in Texas. No, <laughs> it was like...
1: just some psycho who made a fucking nipple belt. You know? Yeah, it was
0: a game. Uh, a game, <laughs> a game right? yeah. yeah. I liked the first one way more than I expected. The second one was just kind of a fun, campy right. style very cool. uh, indulgence, you know? I doubt it'll be like one of my favorite horror movies of the year or anything, but it was still no. like, a fun time in the movie. Exactly. That's yeah. how I looked
1: at it. Like, I left it, I'm like, I'm fulfilled. You know, I wouldn't watch it again. I wouldn't buy it. I'll recommend it, but it was aight.
0: I did see a movie I expect to be one of my favorite horror movies of the year, though. What? Uh, Steven Soderbergh's new movie, Unsane.
1: Oh, my God. Is that... Okay, so this is the one... I think the commercial... Or the commercial? The trailer Mm -hmm. for it played before Stranger's Prayer Night. Where it's like a woman in an insane asylum. Yeah. Cool. Got it.
0: Claire Foy, who's on that show, The Crown... She's kind of coded to be this uptight businesswoman at first. Like she's kind of like a, like mean snob about like her power position in this like mm-hmm. shitty little office. Uh, and then you start to realize like why she's so guarded like that. Her boss is hitting on her. Her mom sort of infantilizes her, and she's also like terrified of going out in public because she has a stalker from her past that keeps reappearing in her life, and she can't ever tell if it's actually him or if her paranoia of the past events of her traumatizing her are causing her to see him places he obviously can't be. So she goes to a psychiatrist to get help for this. And the psychiatrist sort of walks her into saying, like, kind of guides her into saying that she needs to be put on suicide watch. It's not it's not something she's taking seriously, but the psychiatrist is trying to almost, like, trick her into admitting that and signing herself into, quote-unquote, voluntary... What do you call that? Admittance or whatever. Right.
1: That's terrifying.
0: Yeah. She's involuntarily sort of imprisoned in this mental health institution that's obviously really subpar. And there's like two movies that evolve from there within the same thing. One is this sort of bureaucratic nightmare where like every small infraction of her like not playing along with what they want her to do means more time added to her stay. Like... She was only supposed to be there for like 48 hours and then it becomes a week and then they just keep adding time because she's apparently a risk, even though they're really just like using these minor infractions to make it worse. The other movie within this is the guy that supposedly stalked her in the past is a employee at well, the mental health institution Jesus. and she can't tell whether or not he's there at first. Then she's very convinced that it is him and no one takes her seriously. And the audience doesn't even take her seriously. And then things get worse on both ends. Like The bureaucracy gets worse. And her experience with this stalker gets worse and worse. Yeah. I never really cared much about Soderbergh until last year when we did Schizophilus as a movie of the month on the website.
1: Yeah. That was a weird ass movie. And
0: this feels like a return to that because in Schizopolis, he has all those handheld like eight millimeter camera shots where it's like basically just like almost like sketch comedy all over Baton Rouge. Yeah. Um. And this one, it's all shot on an iPhone.
1: Is it concise? Like, I know you're saying like you see it as like this two part story, but uh-huh. do they kind of like make sense in the end? Or are you kind of like trailing off on one end and trailing off on the other? And it's hard to keep tabs on everything.
0: I think it's a lot. More narratively driven than Schizopolis. Okay. Schizopolis is basically like sketch comedy and like right. philosophy and stuff. Right. Sort of like loosely tied together. Unsane <laughs> is actually a pretty straightforward horror thriller by the nice. end. Nice. It's got this really sickly look though from the iPhone. It's like an amateurly shot film. You know, I love that kind of shit. Like, Unfriended right. and stuff was shot in a laptop. Lots uh, of fun. Tangerines got that, like, <laughs> kind of nasty uh, iPhone-saturated color look.
1: I could see how that would work really well, well for, like, a horror movie. Especially like this. Like, this whole plot is terrifying to me because it could happen, Where a lot of times, you know, you hear of these, like, stories of people, like, you know, going or committing themselves to an institution or something like that, and you can't, nobody believes you. Mm -hmm. It's a place where, like, everyone thinks everything that comes out of your mouth is nonsense, so it doesn't matter what you say, and the more you speak, the longer you have to stay there because the crazier they think you are, and you don't have anyone vouching for you. You I, don't have anyone taking your side. And I think That's the movie fucking scary
0: does a good job of linking that to what it's like to be a woman. Uh, oh yeah, like she like says all these things to people, like she has all these like kind of legitimate complaints, and no one takes her seriously. And things just get worse around her.
1: Just like women in prison. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And it's also attacking Any kind of like confinement, prisons, and mental health places for milking people for their money. Like they're basically capitalist structures that need prisoners and need patients to keep going. So like they'll go out of their way to keep people instead uh, of helping. Instead you. of helping them. Yeah. Exactly. Really great stuff, and really yeah, yeah, yeah. awesome to see stuff that's filmed that way on like you know affordable technology blown up on the big screen like kind of like watching unfriended in the theater like it was just really <laughs> weird seeing this like iphone footage like super huge at, nice. at elmwood and it's also disappearing super quickly so really? if, you, if you didn't want to see it i'd go see it soon
1: done
0: i think the first week it, it made a decent amount of money and then uh this week it's got the same number of showings as the greatest showman
1: which has oh, been out since
0: shit. december <laughs>
1: i need to go see this like tomorrow <laughs> right it's like okay. disappearing
0: very quickly oh okay but uh i Highly doubt it won't be in my top ten at the end of the year. I think I think it will be, like, one of my favorite movies of the year. Well, today, we're not talking about horror movies. No. And we've kind of been shifting from, like... We were almost a horror podcast for a while. Right. I think you and I have been shifting towards like 90s nostalgia lately.
1: I know. It's weird. I guess it's just sort of like, you know, you think of all these like movies like, oh, this is a good movie. And then it trails from, or at least the way I think where I'm like, oh, that reminds me of this movie. And then this one. And they're all like within like the same, you know, yeah, we're in a group. five years and they're very similar. Yeah. I like kids movies a lot. And yeah. I think it's showing with <laughs> a lot of stuff. But I think the
0: three movies we're doing in our main conversation have a lot to do with some things that are happening right now, and I'll try to link them to like current events. I'm
1: fucking clueless, so I'm really excited about that.
0: For our movie of the minute segment, we're gonna start with some pure '90s nostalgia, (laughs) and then really unpack the the newer stuff. Yes, Uh, and all that's coming up to you right Right now. now.
1: What are we gonna do? You're gonna go to bed. But what are you gonna do?
0: I don't know. Call the Air Force, I guess.
1: But you can't do that. The Air Force hates Martians. They'll shoot them and drop nuclear bombs on them and stuff.
0: I don't know about nuclear bombs, but they certainly deserve whatever they get. Now,
1: come on. But, Dad, they're not really bad. They're just stupid. And they haven't really hurt anybody. And if we help them get away, no one will ever know the difference.
0: And now it's time for our movie, the minute segment. This is where hosts of the show bounce back and forth, recommending films to each other. And this time it was Brittany's choice. What did you make me watch?
1: I made Brandon watch, um, spaced invaders. And that's space with a D spaced. (laughs) It's really hard to enunciate it. So this is a 1990 children's movie. Um, it's a sci-fi comedy about a crew of like really cool invaders or aliens, And they land in this town called Big Bean, Illinois, which, I mean, that just paints a picture of it right there. I don't think I have to describe this town. It's Big Bean, Illinois. On Halloween night, during a radio broadcast of Orson Welles' The War of the Worlds. So they sort of land on Earth at this very convenient time. So there's five of these little guys. And when I say little, they're like the size of like five-year-olds.
0: But they have gigantic heads. Like they
1: look, the heads look just like watermelons. They might've used watermelons. (laughs) They have like watermelon heads and like tiny, tiny lips. There's Blazney, Captain Bipto, Lieutenant Gillywig, Dr. Ziploc, and Corporal Pez. (laughs) So they have some really cool, funky little spunky names. Like I said, they're the size of kids and they, so they land on Halloween day in this small town of Big Bean. So everyone thinks that their kids dress up like aliens. And the only like suspicious people are pretty much the sheriff, his, who just moved into this town with his daughter, who is um, homegirl from Jurassic Park. Oh, is it? Yeah. Ariana Richards is her real name. I think she was, was it Lex in Jurassic Park? The blonde girl? That's crazy. She looks so different in this. I know. She was a baby in this one. So Jurassic Park was not that It was like 93. I guess like she hit puberty around this time. <laughs> Maybe this
0: sat on the shelf for a while. I don't know.
1: Who knows? Yeah. I could imagine that happening. So um, basically her and her father, who's the sheriff, they just like move into the small town of Big Bean. She's like a little sci-fi freak and she loves aliens and she dressed up like an alien for Halloween So she knows what's going on. And the other person that knows what's going on is Royal Dano, who is like the town crazy man who is about to like lose his farm to this mean big like banker real estate guy that's coming to like buy them all out. There's even a scene where he shares a biscuit with his dog. (laughs) He like takes a little dog cookie and splits it in half to show how broke he is.
0: He's just as drunk here as he is in Ghoulies 2. Yeah, totally. He's a drunk man. So yeah,
1: he's so interesting where he was like so big in these like, I mean, shit tons of Westerns. And then all of a sudden he just went to like B-horror movies. Like Charles
0: Band type shit. Killer
1: Clowns. He was in Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Like you said, Ghoulies 2. Very interesting dude. So he's trying to get pictures of these aliens so he can get some money to save his farm. So these are the people who, like, initially realize, hey, something weird's happening. Even when the spaceship lands, like, the cop has his speedometer and he's like, oh, 3,000 miles an hour. Okay, and then these old people are sitting on the porch and they just, like, get blown off the porch on their rocking chairs. I don't know. Everyone's just kind of, like, a little too nonchalant about the insanity.
0: The people are almost as stupid as the aliens. Right. It's kind of like a universe of morons.
1: So keep that in mind where I'm going to say what this 100% reminds me of. How like the people are pretty dumb for the most part. Can I guess? Oh God. The stupids? No, Invader Zim. Oh. Like you've got these like, you know, like Zim is this big headed tiniest shit alien who's like, I'm going to rule the world. And, and nobody
0: takes him seriously. No one
1: takes him seriously. And the student and all the, you know, the adults are like, oh, what is that sweet? <laughs> and he has like this, like really dumb, like sensitive robot girl. Yeah. And there's like a really dumb, sensitive robot in here that Kathy gets like, be- she like befriends this robot. So yeah, you've got these like control hungry, tiny aliens, they're trying to like invade and they're trying to take over something, whatever. That's, of course, that's not how it goes for the most part of the film. Um, they eventually do make some like human connections, which are beautiful. I love that. <laughs> but yeah, what do you have to say about this movie, Brandon?
0: <laughs> Obviously, I think it's probably best to watch this when you're a little kid.
1: Yeah, that's one of the notes that I made where I'm like, I thought this was like the coolest movie ever. And then I watched it as an adult and it's not...
0: The jokes aren't quite funny. Right. The outright, like, humor isn't quite there. And I think that has to do with the different aliens. Like, it almost seems like they got all of their personalities from radio and television broadcasts. Mm -hmm. Um, There's one alien in particular that is a straight-up Jack Nicholson impersonation. Yeah. Uh, He wears aviator sunglasses and has this kind of, like, wry way of talking that's, like, very Jack Nicholson. Almost, like, unmistakable. And it seems like they... Try to do that with a few of the other ones. Like, one of the aliens sounds like a German scientist, and one sounds like a classic, like, take me to your leader type alien. Right. Might have been able to pick that up from and there's American stuff. One
1: that does, like, a there's a couple of, like, nods to my favorite Martian, where there's a part where one of them's kind of like humming the theme song. Um, there's like quotes that they say that's related to that you know My Fairy Martian TV series back in the day so yeah there's a lot of like pop culture references than these like Group of aliens,
0: but I don't think they did enough with that. The Jack Nicholson one, I thought was the easiest one to understand what he was saying
1: because the sunglasses.
0: Uh, no, it's just like the I'm way he was talking. No, like yeah. the other ones, like have this kind of low, fast way of talking where I don't even think I was hearing the jokes a lot of the time.
1: Yeah, this is a subtitle movie for sure. Yeah, yeah.
0: I was watching it free on YouTube. Oh um, no, I should have rented it with subtitles. I guess no, you shouldn't have paid for it. <laughs> I think that the central concept is really funny. Like they're flying past earth and they pick up the broadcast of war of the worlds and they right. assume that it's a signal that that's where they should invade. Right. Like a party they the need planet. to be joining. Right. Like cool. <laughs> and it's basically like a reversal of what happened with war of the worlds in real life in the thirties. Mm-hmm. Cause people didn't take that seriously. No, people took that too seriously and they right. thought it was an actual invasion from real life aliens And now when they're hearing it the second time, it's kind of like the boy who cried wolf. Like, people on Earth are not taking it seriously this time. Maybe they
1: weren't stupid. They were just like, oh, we've been here before. Right. Especially the old people.
0: But the aliens are flipping it around. It's like, oh, the aliens were duped, not the humans this time. I think that's kind of a funny, like, reversal. I just wish that the idea of them picking up personalities from... American broadcast was like more pronounced. Yeah. They really did something with that with the Jack Nicholson one. Could have had like not. a David
1: Letterman or something cool like that. Something yeah, recognizable. I see what you're saying. They could
0: have like a Pee Wee Herman alien. Oh, or like
1: oh God. Could just you imagine? Anything. Yeah, <laughs> Run for the hills. Let's talk about Duck. Kathy's little friend that she meets Halloween night. Um, he
0: becomes like a sidekick character.
1: <laughs> but he like has this, his Duck, it's like with the Duck costume
0: Well, yeah, everyone in town besides the sheriff is, like, in costume this whole night.
1: But, like, this costume is... It looks like he's a pumpkin. Yeah. With, like, this really disturbing duck mask.
0: Well, it's, like, a duck body Mm -hmm. uh, made out of, like, pillow material. But, like,
1: real big. Like, a thick fucking duck. Right.
0: And this poor kid, like, this... Imagine, like, if he thought this was his big break or whatever. And he wears, like, a duck bill over his face. The entire time. Yeah, so you, like, never even really get a good look at him. Until
1: the very end. So if you have any reason to push through this movie... It's a see that boy's face.
0: <laughs> but I don't want to say the movie was made poorly, though, because I liked the kids. Yeah. I liked the uh, central premise about War of the Worlds, and, like, I thought the Halloween conceit was pretty good, too. Where, like, Did you
1: like the popcorn They kind popcorn of
0: blend part? in. Uh, what happens with the popcorn again? When
1: they, like, heat up that silo.
0: Yeah, it's, like, full popcorn. Yeah, I thought
1: that was fine.
0: Well, I will say is, though, that this is part of, like, a larger era in like the late 80s early 90s where like I don't know Toby Hooper remade Invaders from Mars Yeah. later on Tim Burton made uh, Mars Attacks uh, it's a very like 50s throwback vibe that came it, around in the 80s and 90s. It
1: even gave me and I know like we talked about like Royal Dano but um, some killer clowns from outer space vibes. Yeah totally. Like if that movie was not killer clowns and just cute little aliens and kids were there and nobody died. Right. Um, I think that it really felt like it was in the same realm.
0: Totally. And in this case, and in most of those movies' cases, the practical effects look amazingly fucking good. The aliens might not have the most defined personalities, but their look, it's like the classic alien gray, so it's like a tiny body and a giant head. Right. It just looks really good. Then he's like, kind of weird lips kind of like the ninja turtles movie where or like...
1: um Mr. a gnome named Norm lips right 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 where they're really thin Muscly. but they push out yeah. whenever they talk <laughs> like it's like there's like little invisible strings on the tips and they just get pulled up
0: Flared. and that's yeah.
1: probably what happens these were i mean they're puppets
0: I I assume there were, like, little people or children operating inside of them, too.
1: Oh, that's that makes it a little creepier. Yeah,
0: it is kind of weird. And then, (laughs) uh, you know, the spaceships and the lasers Mm -hmm. and stuff. Uh, There's this giant laser cannon that comes in in the third act that looks really good. Like, it's a well-made movie. It's just, I don't think the jokes are quite there. Right. But if I was, like, ten, I would have probably found the jokes hilarious, and this whole thing would have been, like, really clicked for me, you know?
1: Yeah.
0: But I do like the whole, like... 50s sci-fi throwback vibe. Like, I still watch those movies regularly. Not if only because they're, like, usually, like, 70 minutes long and all on YouTube. Like, you can watch a bunch of...
1: (laughs) Everything is on YouTube right
0: now. You can watch a bunch of really good, very short 50s sci-fi movies that were made for, like, drive-in double features and get them in in, like, an hour. And I love that. And I feel like this is a movie that, that like, plays directly into that.
1: And I also like how... And I mean, I guess... It's a kid's movie, so I see why they went in this direction. But they didn't have to, how there's sort of this really like sweet ending where crazy old farmer guy, Royal Dano, I can't think of his character's name, he um, is able to save them because they're essentially being controlled. So it's kind of like a freeing moment for the little alien babies and they show their thanks by giving this like extraterrestrial fertilizer that helps, like, all the crops and Big Bean grow. Yeah. So, guess what they are? They're beans. So it's just, like, these big-ass green beans at the end. It's very nice. And then, like, you know, everybody gets to keep their land and, you know, no rent is owed and all is good in the world in yeah. Big Bean Illinois.
0: Even though these, like, angry hicks were trying to kill them the whole movie. One Bro. joke that did make me laugh was, like, uh, the hicks finally, like, figure out what's going on with the aliens and they uh, chase them down to this, like, showdown part and uh, one of them yells like what the hell is that and the other one goes I don't know let's shoot it <laughs> 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 I thought that was a pretty funny like reaction to, to not understanding what they are uh, maybe I would have wished that either the humans or the aliens were smart that's like a contrast like
1: somebody I mean the sheriff character was pretty much kind of the only one holding it together and his daughter best, and his daughter
0: because she says to him like why do we have to destroy these things they're not evil they're just dumb and they need yeah. to go away
1: gotta listen to kids
0: yeah <laughs> did you watch this a lot as a kid
1: no um i read it a couple of times and and it never played on tv so the only opportunity for me to see it was like when i wanted to give up getting wayne's world again or something <laughs> like that you know so it was kind of like and eh, I'll, I'll give this another shot yeah So I I did see it a couple of times and I enjoyed it.
0: I couldn't see myself like falling in love with it back then. But now most of what I was like really into is just how cool it looked. Right. And if you think about a lot of like kids movies these days, even like live action ones, there's just so much fucking cheap CGI imagery.
1: Yeah. It is
0: refreshing to see like all these hand built sets and this like really nice matte painting backdrops and yeah, like a lot of like technical care went into it.
1: It's like a work of art and like some movies just don't seem like, a lot of movies don't seem like that anymore.
0: It's a work of visual art with a lot of bad jokes, maybe.
1: (laughs) Yes. And weird like watermelon head aliens. Yeah. I mean, there's even, they have like veins that look like, you know, how watermelon has like light green stripes and then dark green stripes. Yeah. They have that.
0: Maybe there are balloons.
1: Maybe so. I want to see like, I don't know. I have a lot of research to do that I should have done for (laughs) this moment. (laughs) I'm not
0: sure there is a lot of information out there on it.
1: I know. It just seems like this would have been, like, like you were saying, like, this was like, you know, Ninja Turtles was hot, this whole kind of style was so hot during this time, like, is there not, like, a McDonald's toy or something like that out there with these aliens?
0: I suspect this bombed.
1: I <laughs> suspect so as well. Yeah, man. and then found yeah. its
0: second life on You're VHS. Right. No
1: McDonald's toys for <laughs> space invaders. <laughs> I
0: see aliens, little aliens from outer space. They force their way inside your bodies. They need your talent to
1: win a basketball game against Bugs Bunny. I also see Michael Jordan being sucked down a golf hole by furry creatures. That's it. We're out of here. We're leaving now.
0: So, for our feature conversation, A little more 90s nostalgia mixed in here, but I think a lot of the movies we're going to be talking about have uh, relevance to things that are happening right now. Okay. Uh, The general topic, we wanted to talk about live-action Looney Tunes movies. So, these are movies where real-life actors either mix into the Looney Tunes world or vice versa, like Looney Tunes show up in the human world. Uh, The first movie that we found that did this was Who Framed Roger Rabbit in 1988. This movie was adapted from a book that came out in 1981. And Disney bought the rights to the book, like, immediately.
1: I think, till this day, this might be, like, the raunchiest Disney movie ever made.
0: (laughs) It does not feel like the normal thing. But in in the 80s, they had kind of a crisis of... Personality, Like, they weren't sure what they wanted to be, right? <laughs>
1: Why didn't they keep going in this direction?
0: Because <laughs> they had right. all those, like, weird mid-80s, like, horror movies and, like... Or, like,
1: Watcher in the Woods, Something Wicked This Way Comes. Yeah. That's interesting. Uh, they
0: made a bunch of other, like, strange decisions where it seemed like they wanted to grow up a little bit. Yeah. But, you know, they definitely made a hard course corrective later on after they had a few animated hits. Right. They weren't sure what to do with the property, though. Because when they bought it, they had this concept of, like, okay, we're going to do this live-action noir with these, like, cartoon characters mixed in this world, but they didn't want it to come across as sort of cheap. Because it's not like mixing live-action and animation is anything new, really. You can think of any Disney movies from, like, way back that did this. Right. One of the first movies ever made was called Gertie the Dinosaur. It's got this, like, drawing of this brontosaurus mixing in with, like, live-action ca- people. It's, it's not that new of a concept, But I think they really wanted to make it convincing that these, like, two worlds were mixing and, like, in this, like, special effects kind of way. So they tapped uh, Steven Spielberg for the project because he was the special effects guy at that point. And we had just done a Top 5 Steven Spielberg episode last episode. Here he is again. Yeah. And it kind of makes sense. Like, if you're looking at, like, E.T. and all these other movies where he he makes these, like, special effects creations seem real with people, right? Right. Uh, He stayed as a producer on the film. And what he really did to make this movie special, I think, is he pulled his clout to have Disney characters and Looney Tunes characters owned by Warner Brothers, which is a completely different movie studio, mix in the same film. Right. Like, you see Bugs Bunny and Mickey Mouse mix in one movie, and you see Daffy Duck and Donald Duck have, like, a piano duel in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Right now, he has a movie in the theaters called Ready Player One. That is basically just a much larger version of this idea. <laughs> where, like, uh, I think that one's also for Warner Brothers, and a lot of Warner Brothers characters are in there, but he has all these other properties mixed in. Some some characters from his old movies, like, every nerd property. I, I haven't seen Ready Player One yet, but, like, that, that's the basic concept. It's, like, a virtual reality right. where all these different intellectual properties can, like, oh, coexist.
1: Very cool.
0: Who Framed Roger Rabbit is mostly just Disney and Looney Tunes with some Max Flesher cartoons mixed in and a couple other like cartoon properties like mm-hmm. classics. I grew up watching this and I loved it. How did you grow I up with it?
1: grew up watching it, was very much in love with it. Um, I st- still have like all my Who Framed Roger Rabbit bookmarks that I got at the book fair because <laughs> it was, you know, getting me excited to read. But I loved how it was, like, very, like, you know, 1942. This, like, whole film noir with, like, adult cartoons. Like, I remember feeling like such, like, a big girl watching this shit where I'm like, oh, like, you know, this is, I don't know. I just felt like an adult watching a cartoon and it was just this really strange feeling. Because, I mean, this came out, well, came out before I was born. But still, I think it was still, it was still so huge by the time I was, like, you know, six and seven and eight.
0: I mean, there's, like jokes about prostates in here and like yep. there's a uh, sexist baby that has like a 50 year old personality baby in a Herman. baby's body
1: and he slaps his human wife on the butt
0: yeah not very funny but very disturbing but it's very adult yeah um, <laughs> it's basically like a pretty straightforward like hard drinking noir picture okay. uh where bob hoskins is this alcoholic detective in the 40s and he is hired like as a private eye to take pictures of This cartoon bunny's cartoon fiancé making out with... Jessica Rabbit. Making out with the uh, head of Acme Industries, which Acme is a uh, Looney Tunes invention. It's not even a real thing. Yeah.
1: But they it's just, like, they're playing patty cake. Poor Jessica Rabbit. Like, the whole time, like... (laughs) She's just, like, this goddess. Like, she's, like, super hot. And then there's, like, Roger Rabbit, who's this fucking dorky bunny. So the whole time you're like, this relationship doesn't make sense. This this woman is totally in on this. Like, you know, the whole time you kind of blame her, blame her, blame her. Until the end. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, you, you figure out that there's more going on. I mean, basically... She gets caught cheating playing patty cake with this guy. Right,
1: with this, like, really old man. Uh,
0: And she's voiced by Kathleen Turner, which I didn't Mm -hmm. know until this recent watch. I was like, oh, shit. I love her so much. And then the older man, who is the head of Acme, is found dead the next day. And everyone blames Roger for (laughs) it. safe
1: falls on his head. Yeah. (laughs) Like, a very, like, interesting cartoon death. (laughs) I love how Bob Hoskins' character, I mean, this guy's just, like, fucking super drunk the whole time. And, like, his big line is like, I don't work for tunes! Yeah. Like, because a tune killed his brother. So he's very, like, against tunes, against tunes, you know, judging all the tunes from this, like, one evil experience. Almost
0: like a racism
1: uh, allegory, I guess. Yeah, that's how I really felt, like, the whole thing, where it's, like, people, you know, I mean, I grew up in a small town, it's, like, the one, like, bad encounter somebody has with someone that's hispanic it's like oh mexicans suck right you know because one of them cut me in line at walmart 20 one years of the, ago one of
0: the three i've met my whole life Did me <laughs> wrong.
1: exactly so this kind of reminds he has that attitude mm-hmm. where he's just like you know he hates tunes and just because there was this one bad situation so the story is pretty
0: basic but it's overloaded with cartoon gags Roger Rabbit is pretty much a Bugs Bunny stand-in. You know, he kisses Bob Hoskins in the mouth and, like...
1: A lot of, like, mouth kissing. Yeah. (laughs) With these cartoons and real people.
0: He's got a whole ain't I a stinker kind of vibe.
1: Just the whole, like, screaming the whole time. It's either he's knocking his head into something or his ass is on fire and he's crying. Yeah. Like, this. he just never, like... He reminds me of, like, a kid with, like, insane ADD. Like, he needs so much Ritalin.
0: I guess Bugs Bunny was a little more subdued than that. Uh, he's kind of got, like a sarcastic sense of humor. Totally. Yeah.
1: He's just kind of like sassy and the world falls at his feet, where like Roger Rabbit is just like, wait, let me like hit my head until the stars come <laughs> up and will you love me then?
0: Uh, yeah. He like really needs your laugh. Yeah, exactly. Um, but the really amazing thing that the movie pulls off is like the actual mixture of uh, Roger and Bob Hoskins, like their two worlds are pretty convincingly crossed over in a way I don't mm-hmm. even think many movies have been able to do since. Uh, Some of it is just the shading of the 2D drawings is really, like, meticulous. And they obviously spent a lot of time and a lot of money on this. Also, the director, who I don't even usually like, uh, Robert Zemeckis, his his thing is very special effects driven. Like, his Mm -hmm. movies are very into the idea of, like, okay, what can I pull off with green screen technology? What can I do with CGI? What can I do with this? For this movie, he built a... Rubber stand-in for every cartoon character oh, that,
1: awesome.
0: that Hoskins was interacting with, so that they could see where the shadow would fall on the floor or where how the lighting would be on the character's face, and they based the drawings off of like how they would physically be represented. And Bob Hoskins, because he had like a rubber doll to like strangle, what was yelling at it, would have something to look at too. So it had kind of like a realistic. Helped him. Yeah, I am really impressed with just like the technical aspects of this movie. It's
1: amazing. I do wanna also mention, like I think I, I one of my favorite villains is um Judge Doom. Christopher, Christopher Lloyd. Lloyd. Um, amazing. He's just like so fucking scary. He has like this big like, you know, black hat and cape and his eyes Like, there's just this one part where you find out who he really is. I'm pretty sure everybody in the world has seen this movie at least once, but when his eyeballs pop out and he reveals himself as the tune that's been fucking killing everybody. Very terrifying. Yeah. Especially like his Wicked Witch melting moment where he gets melted in the dip is oh, it's just it's so good. He's like like a all that's great.
0: Nazi judge kind of. And yeah.
1: He has the voice for it. Like he has that very scary, like raspy, like, don't fuck with me, I'm crazy voice. That was pretty amazing, villain wise. I did want to mention that I didn't know this, but apparently this the copy of this movie is at the Library of Congress. Oh, wow. Which is how, like, amazing it is. Yeah. That it's it's that, like, acclaimed.
0: They archive movies that are culturally significant, I think. Right, uh, right. And I'd say this one easily Definitely, yeah. definitely. As far as, like, Looney Tunes content goes, though, <laughs> uh, not really that much. There's, like, like,
1: two seconds when there's, like, a mid-fall and Mickey Mouse is on one side and Bugs Bunny's on the other. And that's pretty much...
0: That was Disney's... Uh, I'm sorry, that was Warner Brothers' say, was that they didn't want... Had their characters mixed with Disney characters and be lesser than. Gotcha. They wanted to be seen as equals. The oh, scene... is
1: that why they were always, like, side by side, like, piano duel? Yeah. Floating.
0: Yeah. So the two ducks have a piano duel. Right. And actually, Daffy Duck gets a couple jokes in on Donald Duck where he's like, can everybody understand what this duck is saying? Like, he has a right. really bad speech impediment. Totally.
1: Like, just, like, shitting all over him. Yeah.
0: <laughs> And then, uh, the scene where Mickey Mouse and Bugs Bunny are falling, Bugs gets in his two one-liners. He says, A nice stinker? And he says, what's up, doc?
1: And the whole time Mickey Mouse is just like, oh no.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like,
1: just give me a hug.
0: And then at the end, um, the sign off is a dual Disney Looney Tunes thing where, like, Porky Pig says, that's all folks. And then Tinkerbell comes in and, uh, hits the magic wand. So they both get their closers in.
1: Pretty fun. I love that. Yeah.
0: And there's other little characters like Tweety Bird makes an appearance mm-hmm. and uh, Yosemite Sam makes a quick appearance.
1: And like the Fantasia brooms are yeah. kind of chilling. And the hippo, the tutu.
0: The hippo is Disney, I think.
1: Oh yeah. I was just, yeah, yeah. one of my <laughs> favorite ones. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> and it's kind of like that. Like it's all like smattered about. Uh, right. You get like a Betty Boop appearance. Which is nice
1: because yeah. it's like they're all, all cartoons and they all live in this world.
0: And it's just on the other side of the wall. Like, exactly. It's, it's not even that far away. <laughs> But I think it's a pretty good even representation of, like, how this could be done really well. Uh, I've seen a few movies like this that are not done that well.
1: Don't talk shit about Cool World. Uh, Are you going to talk shit about Cool
0: World? I like Cool World a little bit. cool. But not as much as you. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Every time, like... I bring it up. They compare it to Roger Rabbit. I'm like, it's different. It's so different. Yeah,
0: it's that one's definitely more adult with Kim Basinger in the uh, Jessica Rabbit role.
1: <laughs> Becoming human. <laughs>
0: yeah, but this is a classic movie, right? There's yes. nothing really to even no. add to that. It's, no, it's just good. Absolutely. Yeah, the only other Zemeckis movie I like is Death Becomes Her.
1: Great movie.
0: I think this one and that one are, like, so good that I don't even have a right to, like, shit on anything else he's ever done. Like, right. He's, he's kind of, like, proved his worth. Uh, so he can I, do anything
1: else. Right. If he doesn't do another thing, he owes us nothing.
0: So, the first real crossover that's, like, officially, like, a Looney Tunes movie yeah. with human actors in it is kind of a hot point of contention. It's called Space Jam, and it's from 1996.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Everybody get up, it's on slam now.
0: Right. So like the soundtrack is one of the first thing that comes up because when we were kids, that was like one of the biggest sellers.
1: Right. Because I because I was six when this came out. So you were probably like, whatever, not that much older than that. So when you're a kid and you're that age where you start giving a shit about movies and this comes out, blew my mind. I re- I was so freaking obsessed with this movie i had like the whole bed set i had a chicago bulls beanbag chair i never watched a game i just thought michael jordan was so cool because of space jam so i had all this like bull stuff and like space jam stuff and i just remember being so like this was like the coolest thing to me
0: yeah i wasn't even really like a basketball fan as a kid but michael jordan was just such a huge phenomenon that like i had michael jordan jerseys yeah. <laughs> uh, I loved this movie. I think I had his, like, Olympics team, like... He r- played r- his years.
1: cards right. Yeah. Um, especially with Space Jam and the music. I think that was, like... I was in, like, biddy basketball and all these songs would play in my basketball games. I fucking sucked at it. But these songs would hype me up. So they were in this movie, so they would hype me up when I watched the movie.
0: I was in the dad's basketball league in high school, which is, like, <laughs> what happens when you're not good enough to make the team? And then, like, you the dads, the like, dads League? yeah, their the Dads like, volunteer their time as coaches. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> so that, uh, the How kids. How old?
1: What's the age cutoff? Could I join the Dads
0: uh, League I don't think you'd now? be in the Dads League. You might be, be able to be a volunteer dad, I guess. Uh, oh, my
1: God. I'm about to, like, Mrs. Doubtfire on my way into the Dads League.
0: <laughs> Hello! <laughs> <laughs> I feel
1: like I would go to jail. So, Michael Jordan
0: is this huge brand in himself that, like, he's, like, the king of basketball... And they mash that brand up with the king of cartoons, who is Bugs right. Bunny. And on the poster, they're double billed that way. Like, it's Bugs Bunny and Michael Jordan. And
1: this motherfucker was loving it, because yeah. he loves himself. <laughs> Michael Jordan. Oh, yeah. Yeah. By
0: all Always accounts, he's an asshole. Yes. Uh, and an egotistical, like, guy who hogs all the attention. Right. For other people's So you know <laughs> whenever,
1: like, Bugs Bunny's name was billed before his, that he was, like, not having that. I'm sure he was steamed about that. I'm sure he was that. so pissed. Yeah.
0: <laughs> And this movie kind of is an ego boost for him. Like, Mm -hmm. it's about how he's the greatest basketball player of all time. Right. But it's also got this kind of therapeutic thing where it's like almost like Michael Jordan's going through some shit. This movie came out after he had retired from basketball and was playing baseball and not doing particularly great at it. And
1: everybody was hating on him.
0: Yeah. In the movie, everyone's kind of like sycophants sucking up to him. They're like, oh, you did great out there when he like obviously sucked playing baseball. Right. Uh, It starts with him... As a kid in the backyard with his dad. Apparently, this was not that long after his dad died. That was like, very oh, hard no. on him. Oh no! And then like just other indignities in his life. Like his home life is pretty good, but
1: he has a dog that he fucking hates. And like, uh, which broke my heart. Yeah. And this little thing's just like, look, I'm helping you. I'm protecting the home. And they're just like, oh, we hate you. You ruin everything, Charles. What's his name, Charles? Yeah, Charles. Was and then angel.
0: One of the biggest fears that he has in the movie is basically being, like, a slave to his celebrity and having to, like, <laughs> Which sign is really autographs. Which
1: spooky to watch. Yeah. There's a part where they have him, like, in chains, like, slave shackles, and it's like...
0: Whew. Yeah, he's, like, signing autographs for people who don't even really care about him and, like, right. performing as, like, kind of this novelty act at a carnival. It's really like he's going through, like, some kind of weird therapy through this, like, Looney Tunes movie.
1: I didn't realize any of this until, like, we rewatched it a few nights ago. Because I always looked at this as, like, making Looney Tunes relevant in a new age because those are just, like, oh, the old cartoons that play Saturday morning, whatever, whatever, and this kind of made them hip again. So it almost, like, brought on this, like, Looney Tune craze. Um, I mean, I, Tiny Toon Adventures did kind of help with that, but those were, like, different characters, but now, like, people started giving a shit about Bugs Bunny again. and
0: I think that's 100% accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, and they... At least I did. ...kind of hyped it up as, like, a new design for the characters. because. Right. They gave them this kind of, like, rounder look. It might be computer-aided. I'm not really sure. They look,
1: like, very gooey. Not gooey, <laughs> but, like, kind of... I don't know. I was yeah, thinking
0: like g- globular. Like, they got kind of, like, a 3D kind of wraparound. Like, there's depth to them. Right. It's not, like, a flat thing. Uh, which I think helps with mixing them in with the real world.
1: Definitely with, like... There's a lot of ass action in this movie. And, like, I think that definitely reigns true with, like, all the butt stuff that happens.
0: <laughs> and the butt stuff is pretty much restricted to these aliens.
1: Yes. And th- this is kind of like <laughs>
0: one of the best dumb plots, I think, of all time. Uh, basically, Danny DeVito is this so evil scary. alien uh, who lives in this like CGI amusement park in space called Moron Mountain. Yeah.
1: It's uh, like an amusement park in hell. Right. <laughs> in space.
0: And to brighten up his attractions, he wants to bring in the Looney Tunes as slaves to work in his park full time. Right. So he sends these tiny aliens to Earth to bring them back in shackles. (laughs) Uh, Seeing that the aliens are tiny, the Looney Tunes decide, I know, we'll challenge them for our freedom at a game of basketball. Because
1: we're tall and they're
0: not. (laughs) The aliens one-up them by stealing the talent of the top players in the NBA. And becoming these giant creatures that they now call themselves the Monstars. From nerd
1: to (laughs) Monstars.
0: And so that leaves a crisis back at home where there's no good NBA players left. Everyone's like in a state of...
1: Like they can't catch a ball.
0: Right. They can't dribble. They can't (laughs) walk.
1: What is basketball? (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) And then because of that, Michael Jordan is the only player left. And the Looney Tunes recruit him for their team. And then they square off in this like 20 to 30 minute basketball game at the end of the movie that is pretty much just a straight montage of like gags and jock jams.
1: I would say 80% of the soundtrack happens within like this 15 minute basketball game. Like it's like a piece of a jock jam. Like it goes from like, like pump up the jam starts playing (laughs) and before like the chorus starts it flips to something else. Gotta make you sweat. And it keeps going (laughs) and it keeps going. But what I thought, like, I don't know. Um, during the rewatch A lot of questions Came to my mind And one was like They're playing by the rules For like the first half And they're getting Their ass kicked And they drink Like Michael's juice His secret juice Which is just like water But they think it's like I don't know his It's sweat or some it's shit It's kind of like a you had It's like a, a placebo effect You had it inside thing. you All along Yeah that yeah. was just water um, And then they started Doing like stuff That's like not part of basketball They started doing Like Looney Tune shit Where they start, like, you know, an anvil's coming out of nowhere and they're not even dribbling. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's just, like, no rules as long as you can get the ball in They fire guns.
0: There's, like, a quick uh, Pulp Fiction gag where, like, I think Elmer Fudd and Yosemite Sam, like, pull out pistols and just start shooting them.
1: What I did want to mention, too, another, like, mind-boggling thing about Space Jam is the Monstars are, like, little cartoon dudes that live in space but, like, the Looney Tunes live in, like, the mantle of Earth.
0: They live in the core, yeah. Or the core. <laughs> Somewhere, Something yeah. Something
1: like that. Um, and I'm just like, that, I don't understand that. I kind of love it. Because, like... You thought about that chart in, like, science class, <laughs> where, like, the crust and the mantle and the core, and you're like, that's where Looney Tunes live. Yeah, and they call it's that... It's not fucking hot lava.
0: They call that Toon World, and then the Looney Tunes call our world 3D World, which I think it's is kind of funny. very
1: weird. And, yeah, and, like, to get to it, like, it's a bunch of, like, dirt... And then there's this huge like Warner Brothers black hole that you have to like push yourself through and um, you get vortex into this like toon world.
0: I think that's kind of cool. It's it's I understand in Who Framed Roger Rabbit like the idea that they work at uh Maroon Toons yeah. or something. Uh, which is kind Maroon of like Studios, a loony, yeah. yeah, it's kind of a Looney Tunes joke there. Uh, and I get that the toon world is kind of like part of the movie studio a lot. And it's like, oh, yeah, of course, the tunes like, are where they make the cartoon pictures. Right. In this version, the Looney Tunes broadcasts are basically coming from the center of the earth. So, like, (laughs) whenever the Wile E. Coyote gets recruited for the team, he just sort of, like, disappears from the TV screen and the kids are just watching nothing. It's kind of like the Looney Tunes world is just happening all the time. And we're getting this, like, security cam footage of, like, their wacky adventures. (laughs) I think that stuff's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of like a weird concept, but I'm, I'm, I'm into it.
1: It's interesting.
0: I like how absurd the very basic premise of this movie is. And the movie is like aware of it. The funniest bit in the film to me is the uh, sequence set to Basketball Jones, where all the uh, basketball players who are left on Earth without their powers <laughs> uh, are confused and not sure what to do. Like they go see like a Freudian psychiatrist that suggests right. that they feel inadequate in other ways. Or, like, they take these, like, tests. (laughs) They're, like, Uh, in
1: the hospital and... (laughs) Yeah.
0: And then they go to a psychic who basically describes the whole plot of the film. She's like, oh, I see Bugs Bunny fighting space aliens in a basketball game with Michael Jordan. Like, I can't believe you would insult our intelligence with such a ridiculous story. Always
1: listen to the Gypsy Woman. Like... It, Ugh. It's
0: just funny to me that the movie yeah. is aware of how absurd its premise is. Right. And like the stretch it had to make to combine these two brands, the Michael Jordan brand and the Looney Tunes and brand. Looney
1: Tunes and space. And
0: space. And I think it works like ridiculously <laughs> it's well. It's funny.
1: Yeah. I, it's like, it's a movie that laughs at itself in a, in a good way, not like a ridiculous way.
0: There's like self-aware jokes where like Bugs and Daffy like mention that they never get Uh, any royalties from all the merchandise with their names on Uh it. Right. Bill Murray is in the film. And when he shows up in space, someone's like, how did you get here? And he's like, well, my friend's a producer. He dropped me off. And the producer is Ivan Reitman who directed Ghostbusters. So that's like a legit joke. Totally friends. Yeah. Yeah. And beyond those like self-aware jokes, there's also just like regular Looney Tunes gags, especially in that final sequence. It's just like nonstop, basically vaudeville humor. And I think the movie pulls off the balance really well. Right. But at the same time, it has this reputation that people only like it because of nostalgia from the 90s.
1: I, yeah, and I don't think... I mean, that's not the only reason I... Like, I really thought it was... It's a, it's a good watch. Like, it's not, I don't sit there, and I'm like, oh, my childhood. Yeah. Like, you no, it's a good movie. It's enjoyable.
0: It's insanely quickly paced. I could not believe we were already at the final <laughs> basketball game when we got there.
1: It feels like it's literally one basketball game. It's like half
0: the movie. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah.
1: Which is, it's really nice. And like they, they do a lot. They even introduced like a totally new um, Looney Tune character, Lola Bunny. Like this movie, like was also like made for her entrance where I don't know how successful that was, but it's like, we ne- there was not a lot of female um, Looney Tune characters except for like maybe Granny. Yeah. And I think Tweety Bird's a girl.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I buy that. And then
1: Tiny Toon Adventures, (laughs) I remember like um, Babs was like Mm -hmm. a big, a big deal. So then they have, you know, Lola Bunny and she kind of comes in and she's kind of like badass and there's like weird stuff like that happens. I
0: do not like Lola Bunny. That is my one sore spot with this movie is that character.
1: I liked her because she was a basketball chick and like now it's just like, she's a sexy bunny and we all know like that weird furry subculture where they totally sexualize. (laughs) <laughs> this, uh they don't have to sexualize cartoon. her
0: she is sexualized in this oh, movie oh
1: totally everything no. she says
0: has this kind of breathy jessica Rabbit and her voice. like
1: her bunny butt cheeks are hanging out of her shorts oh, it's weird. very weird
0: and bugs is really infatuated with her which, which seems kind of weird because he usually is like you know kisses men on the mouth and is cross-dressing I all the love time that and
1: bugs bunny has this like like asexual like funny little shit and I don't want to see a romantic side of a Looney Tune.
0: I always saw him as, like, a perverted prankster. But uh, <laughs> either way, he's <laughs> well, definitely not, like, a straight guy who yeah. likes this, like, breathy uh, bunny rabbit. No,
1: he did not care about her. He just wanted to kiss Michael Jordan's lips, like, one more time.
0: Uh, and her fur is this, like, peachy flesh tone that's, like, yeah. really upsetting. I don't know. I know. Everything about her is terrible. I think that's the movie's one sore spot. But she's only in it for, like, five minutes total. Like, it's totally easy to just overlook it. It it. It was
1: weird. Like, I guess they threw her in there either to, like, appeal to, like, young girls, which is weird. But they might have. Or to just try and, like, throw something else in there. Because nothing was done with her after this movie.
0: I could see also people getting upset at the uh, blatant commercial part of it. Like, this movie is made to sell merchandise. This movie's
1: Jordans, for sure. Made
0: to sell the soundtrack. It's made to sell all this different stuff. And I personally love that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I think it even ages better with time because it's so absurd. Right. Movies, in general, are money-making machines. Like, mm-hmm. they're art, but they're also, like, but they, commercials. They're made for money. Yeah. <laughs> and I find that fascinating. Like, Mac and Me as this like E.T. ripoff that's also like a McDonald's commercial like that's nice. my happy place my god I'm at uh,
1: McDonald's right now
0: uh, last year the Power Rangers movie is basically a very long commercial for Krispy Kreme donuts and I think it's like the most amazing <laughs> thing in the world uh, so I think the balance of art and commerce in movies can be like really absurd in this like really fun way and I think yeah. Space Jam is like the perfect balance of that yeah but I can also see someone being like total cynic about that and be like ugh it's just trying to sell me shit it's like, well, everything's trying to sell you shit. Uh. That's why you're at the
1: movies. That's why you're watching it. Yeah, like you you bought it, you purchased it. That's why it's here. Even it's, like the artiest art house film was made for to make a fucking profit.
0: Right. It's almost like more admirable to me that they're just like out front about it. They're like, right. listen to all these cool songs in the soundtrack. Isn't Michael Jordan the fucking coolest? Like, yeah, yeah. So. Obviously, not everybody's on board with that, and one of the main people who was pissed off about it was Chuck Jones, who's like a pretty big deal
1: Oh no! <laughs> in the
0: Looney Tunes world.
1: He is the Looney Tunes man. Yeah.
0: Another person who was angry was Joe Dante, who <laughs> is one of my favorite directors. You know, he made like Gremlins and Matinee and Piranha and all these like really fun Corman type movies. Right. He decided to do something about how angry he was about it. Space Jam did extremely well and was supposed to have a yeah. sequel. Uh, It didn't have a sequel because Michael Jordan refused to do it. He just, like, said no, flat out. So the script went through some changes over the years and eventually got picked up by Joe Dante for a project. And Joe Dante specifically wanted to do Chuck Jones right because it's, like, one of his heroes and decided to make what he calls the anti-Space Jam. And that was uh, in 2003, Looney Tunes back in action.
1: So you know what I call it? What? I call it the biggest piece of shit.
0: I fucking hate this movie.
1: It's really <laughs> bad. And I didn't know that background story about this Joe Dante bullshit, but hating on Space Jam, you already lost like two points in my book, and then making like a movie that put me through hell for an hour and a fucking half. I hate you even more, Joe Dante.
0: <laughs> he's one of my favorite directors, but he's made some sneakers. Do not like this man And this right is now. one of them. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you're in the doghouse this week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So this stars Brendan Fraser and Jenna Elfman. And much like the last 30 minutes of Space Jam, this one is basically just a nonstop onslaught of gags.
1: That makes no fucking sense.
0: Like, yeah, the plot is really extraneous. It's so,
1: so... Stupid.
0: And the gags aren't funny to me. No. Like, I thought a lot of the jokes in Space Jam, like, even isolated from all the Michael Jordan commercialization, whenever you want to complain about it, like, a lot of the jokes isolated are really solid. And
1: this is like, what, like, seven, eight years after Space Jam? Yeah. Like, you knew better at this point.
0: Well, he wanted to return the, mo- the franchise part of it back to the spirit of, like, the Chuck Jones era.
1: Right. So, in order to embrace that Chuck Jones spirit, you get Brendan Fraser... <laughs> And Jenna Elfman. Yeah, <laughs> what an idiot! <laughs> it's very weird. <laughs> it's I don't,
0: and I it think makes sense. he's kind of like acknowledging that the movie is like a corporate piece of art. Like, right? It opens on the Warner Brothers lot in a boardroom where they're like making decisions about movies based on like algorithms and like demographics. And, and aren't
1: like the Warner Brothers there? Yeah, the yeah, brothers, right? Uh,
0: <laughs> and working on the lot as a security guard, Brendan Fraser is this like. Wanna be stunt man, and he has stunted before for Brendan Fraser. He says he was in the Mummy even lo- more than Brendan Fraser was. I did
1: laugh at that part. Pretty funny. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, he gets fired because Daffy Duck fucks up and knocks over the Warner Brothers tower. <laughs> And then the two of them go on this cross-country road trip to get some kind of supernatural diamond called the Blue Monkey. For his,
1: his dad. It
0: doesn't matter. Like, it's just nonsense.
1: I did like how his dad was, like, this James Bond figure played by James Bond. Yeah. And he, like, goes home after he, like, loses his job. And he's like, oh, no, I lost my job. And Daffy Duck's, like, behind him. And then, like, there's this huge, like, super secret spy screen comes on. He's like, I need to get the Blue Monkey Diamond. (laughs) The whole point of this diamond is that Acme Studios, who's, like, the evil henchman in here is, like, Steve Steve Martin. Martin. They want to turn people into monkeys to make them do free labor and then turn them back into humans so they buy the shit they made.
0: (laughs) That's pretty funny.
1: I mean, but it's so weird. Like, it's unnecessary. And... The one thing like I did think was neat about this movie was how it was a lot like not a lot like similar slightly similar to Roger Rabbit because the tunes are like in society like they're oh those that's just a tune like they live in this tune world we live here it's not like in Space Jam they just come out of nowhere it's like oh fuck Bug, Bugs Bunny's real you know <laughs> and it blows everyone's mind like they're like oh, yeah Bugs Bunny you know he's an actor you know. He's probably doing a movie right now over in this, like, studio. But honestly, the only thing I thought was mildly interesting, even though it made no sense and it was very unnecessary, like, most of this movie, was the Louvre chase. Yeah, they go through... It was kind of cool they go into him. different paintings in the yeah. Louvre.
0: And then there's also a visit to Area 52 where there's, like, space aliens. Right. Uh, what what the fuck ever. I, don't, I just don't find any of the jokes funny, and which is really so hard. It's so sad
1: that yeah. people like this more than Space Jam.
0: Yeah. A lot of people saw this as, like, justice to the Looney Tunes brand. Even Steve Martin, I think, is, like, anti-comedy in this movie. He, like, kills... He sucks humor out of the room.
1: It kind of reminded me
0: of Eddie Murphy in The Haunted Mansion. Like, every time he said something, I was just like, fucking die. Every
1: (laughs) word that came out of his mouth was, like, extra loud. And he had to, like, jerk his head back and, like, crinkle his arms. (laughs) He's
0: exhausting to watch. Right. So this movie does have... An interesting current context, though, because <laughs> Brennan Fraser, you know, he's been out of the public eye for a while, uh-huh. uh, and he resurfaced recently in a TV show, and part of his press tour for that was he did this interview with GQ magazine. I don't know if you happen to read that. Yeah, I do. Or did you read that interview? No, I,
1: I read GQ. Yeah. I thought <laughs> so you meant, like, the no. I haven't read the interview, but you told me about it. So, in this
0: interview, he talks about, like, why he's been out of the limelight for a while. Partly... Because doing his own stunts in movies has, like, taken a toll on his body. The same (gasps) way, like, professional wrestlers and, like, uh, stuntmen get, like, you know, injured. Yeah. Even though it's, like, fake, it, like, takes a lot out of you. No, totally. So, stunt work has, like, made him, like, kind of beaten down.
1: He probably has, like, rheumatoid arthritis.
0: Uh, He's also been, like, mocked publicly for, like, how his looks changed. Because when he started out in, like, George of the Jungle and stuff, he was, like, King Hottie.
1: Right. He was, like, tan and ripped. I like I kind of and like now they have like all the pop paparazzi are like taking pictures of him and it's like look how fat Brendan Fraser got and he just looks so sad in these pictures and it's like God just let this fucking dude be he gave us some really cool movies like Um, get
0: off his jock he also was groped uh, publicly (gasps) at this like event and that like really fucked him up
1: shut up yeah
0: so he's had like a really hard ten years world and. This was one of the last, like, big movies he made before he oh, really bad
1: talking shit about it, this movie because... Well, in the interview,
0: he mentions this movie yeah. specifically because it's, like, one of his last big ones. And he yeah. says, like, the reason he signed on, he thinks subconsciously, is because of the big scene at the end where the fake Brendan Fraser stuntman gets to confront the real Brendan Fraser oh. and punches him in the face. <gasps> And he says, like, I kind of hated what my life had become, and I started to fucking despise myself. Oh my god! And I really Stop it. Wanted to punch myself in that moment. Oh
1: my god! My and heart is torn into pieces inside my body. That whole and I'm gonna piece throw it up. is
0: so hard to read. Like, it's so sad. Uh, but I mean, that doesn't make this a good movie. But no, it, it adds some interesting context. It's to more it. like a pity movie. Yeah. You know?
1: <laughs> But, like, uh, but he's done, like, *George of the Jungle is fucking awesome. Insano Man is great. All the Mummy movies are great. Like, he's done some really, really good stuff. So, like, whatever. Everyone gets their piece of shit movie to do, and this was just his.
0: And I kind of get, if you thought this was funny, like, the idea of there just being all gags and no plot. Like, okay, yeah, there's this MacGuffin they're chasing across the Midwest. I hated
1: it. But... If you don't find the
0: jokes funny, it's it's just kind of nothing. Like, it's just like a long line of, like, empty nothing. Nothing
1: made sense where it's like, we gotta go to Las Vegas, and Heather Locklear singing at Yosemite Sam's thing, and then we find a car with the Mona Lisa, and we have to go get this monkey gem, And it, it just, it's just a bunch of weird shit that just doesn't make sense.
0: It's also got some, like, oddly sexist stuff in it, too. Like, I don't know, like, kind of like the baby patting his wife on the ass and yeah. Roger Rabbit. There's a lot of that kind of stuff, like whistling at the uh, Vegas right. performers or like,
1: Ugh, yeah. uh,
0: Jenna Elfman is this uh movie exec that nobody takes seriously. And like Heather like Locklear ad.
1: is kind of like losing it right now too. Like she's in a really bad place in her life. So this movie like yeah, ruined everybody. Hurt
0: everybody. <laughs> um, <laughs> What's
1: Jenna Elfman doing?
0: I have no idea what she's up to.
1: Fucking nothing. Cause I haven't heard from her. Right. <laughs> like she's calling me. I mean, heard about her. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: They do sneak a couple nice Joe Dante Easter eggs in there, like, early on.
1: Oh, and it was Easter yesterday. (laughs) It was. Uh, But, like,
0: Dick Miller is, like, in every Joe Dante movie, and he shows up as a security guard here. Okay. And uh, Roger Corman is directing a Batman movie on the Warner Brothers lot. That was funny. Which is such a great, like, fantasy world where, like, Roger Corman made a Batman movie. I can't even fucking imagine. But, um... (laughs) I would have loved the shit out of that.
1: Uh, he would have had, like, real bat wings and,
0: like,
1: fur and shit. <laughs> Little teeth.
0: Yeah, it would have been, like, a monster movie. Yeah, totally. But all the love and goodwill for Joe Dante in the world could not save this movie for me. No. I don't understand why people like it more than Space people Jam. Like I
1: was reading, like, Roger Ebert's review about it, and it was pretty positive. It's weird. And I'm like, this is, this just doesn't feel right. Like, am I missing something? Did, like, he pay everyone off?
0: I will say to Ebert's credit, uh, he really liked Space Jam too. Okay. You know, he can be right sometimes.
1: <laughs> sometimes we don't agree a lot. <laughs> I like reading also because uh... I have like I don't have very good taste.
0: <laughs> I like reading his reviews, whether or not I agree with them. He's uh... funny.
1: Like I like a lot of like when he has like you know sees a bad movie, his like little remarks are yeah, always fun. But, but yeah, I
0: think uh... I think it was mostly out of spite that people said this was better than Space Jam. It's like oh, finally. But really, if you like watch... all the, the big
1: Looney Tunes nerds that are like, oh, thank God, like, uh, this is how they're actually supposed to be. Yeah. No.
0: And there's, like, a mean pot shot to Michael Jordan <gasps> in...
1: Why don't remember this. Not that it kept my attention.
0: At the end of the movie, Steve Martin's in disguise, and he keeps, you know, zipping off his human suit oh, to reveal another okay. character. you're right. And one of them is Michael Jordan holding a basketball, and it's kind of, like, shitting on Space Jam one last time on its way out. hmm And I, I really do think it's just out of spite that people said this one was better... You know, obviously, Roger Rabbit is the best movie out of the three of these, but it's not specifically a Looney Tunes movie. I think that Space Jam is the one that holds up.
1: A hundred percent. And there's not even, like, cool music in Back in Action. At least Space Jam had that cool, like, seal song, that seal version of Fly Like an Eagle that was specifically made for the movie. Like, it didn't even have, like, a... There, There was nothing like that. So it kind of feels rushed. I think that's it. Like... I'm sure it took a lot of time. Like they pro- it seems like they spent, like, more time trying to make Bugs Bunny look cool than, like, an actual, like, legitimate plot.
0: <laughs> and they never go to Toon World in that one. True. It's uh, like they
1: just kind of hang out with us.
0: One of the amazing things about Who Framed Roger Rabbit is seeing these cartoons mix in with the real world. Like, the uh, rats that are chasing down uh, Bob Hoskins in that movie are holding real guns. And it's, like, amazing that they pulled that off. But mostly, in these movies, when the cartoons come to our world, it looks like shit. Like, right. they're kind of just like, flat characters in our space. And in Space Jam, most of the movie is set in the cartoon world, and it just looks better to see, like, Michael Jordan in that environment than vice versa. And I don't think you get any of that in, back in I action. Just, ever since
1: you, like, mentioned that, I could not stop feeling super bad about Brendan Fraser wanted to punch himself in the face like i can't stop that's the saddest thing i've ever heard
0: please read that interview i think that's like the Ugh. most worst worthwhile thing about revisiting back i'm to get like
1: you know a cheese platter some charcuterie and red wine and just like read that gq interview so i can cry alone <laughs> so i think it's safe to say like this was our 100% least favorite of all these yeah that made it worse <laughs> The, this, GQ the GQ interview that I didn't read yet I think that it is, makes it
0: more interesting yeah um, but yeah
1: so that's what you were saying in the beginning you're like oh I, this is re- relevant towards today and I yeah. want to mention something yeah it was I, leading up to that GQ I, interview
0: I think uh, that uh, Ready Player One is pretty mm-hmm. close to what happened to Roger Rabbit and if Space Jam has any like current relevance it's only because uh, everyone's basketball obsessed right now where are
1: they supposed to like do another Space Jam with LeBron James or was that just like a weird rumor
0: that might still be in production
1: that's cool.
0: And they also, around the time of that announcement, did this like thirty for Maybe thirty. Maybe they can
1: get Brendan Fraser to, to be like a coach or something. Like, come back, buddy.
0: I don't know if he wants to return to this world. or Do you want to reach out to him? <laughs> like, I
1: just I don't know if I should like write a letter. Yeah. I don't know. That's heartbreaking. It's a really Hello. good interview,
0: but a really hard read. But you know, it's really fun. Space Jam. Go Space watch Jam. that.
1: It's a great. <laughs> movie. You can like literally smell like the cheap nachos and cheese when you watch Space Jam with like those like canned jalapenos, yeah. yeah. And you can hear like the squeaks and you can smell the fucking sweat, like yeah, you're you're in there.
0: <laughs> well, we'll be back in a couple weeks with another episode. WrestleMania is coming to New Orleans, uh, so we're gonna do something wrestling themed next time. Sweet. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, Brittany and I'll come back with something in about a month.
1: That will not be about wrestling. Probably not. No. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye.